0: life audio
1: babies are better at eating than i am like mm-hmm. i that's so frustrating that like mm-hmm. but she's like yeah but all these years you've learned false stuff so you can't unlearn it
0: overnight Hey there, friend, Heather Creekmore here. You're listening to the Compare To podcast, and I'm suffering from a cold. <laughs> so that's why I sound different. But yeah, that was my friend Christy Dondero Betwee, who is the executive director of an organization called Rock Recovery that helps those struggling with eating disorders. And today Christy's gonna share her story, and it's a lot like mine in that I had no idea I had an eating disorder. And I find when I work with clients, they want to fix their body image issues, and they're pretty sure that they're normal with food because everything in diet culture tells us that restricting calories and you know having rituals and rules around food is normal. And then they realize, wait a second, maybe there's another way. Maybe this way I've been relating to food isn't healthy. And maybe even for some... It's actually disordered or an eating disorder. And that's what Christy found out, just like I found it out. So today she shares her story and then she tells us a little bit more about what Rock Recovery can do to help those with eating disorders. They've got a holiday program coming up. So you want to listen for more information about that at the end of the show. And hey, my course is still open. Maybe it's what you want to ask for for Christmas. I'll be starting a new coaching group in January Friend, I just can't tell you how excited I am about this content and how desperate I am to see women set free. And that's what's happening right now with the group that I'm working with, the first round group that's going through the course and the coaching component. We are having breakthroughs. We are making progress. And it's so awesome to see if you want that for yourself. Consider signing up for the online course whenever you want to. And you can always add the group coaching in January or you can add one-on-one individual coaching at any point in the course. But if you need change, don't wait, take action. Check it out at improvebodyimage.com. Now let's get to the show. The pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Christy, thanks so much for being on the Compared Who show today. Thanks for having me. It's really a joy to be with you. Well, you have a great story and I'm excited for you to share it with our listeners and our viewers today. But I also, I love the fact that you're in this work now. I mean, this is what you live and breathe. Did you ever think this is what you'd be doing? Working on eating disorder stuff all the time?
1: <laughs> I mean, certainly not when I was struggling, because I didn't even know that I was struggling at the time. So I would have been real confused. Like, why am I doing that with my wife? Uh. But no, and even when I started recovery in a way I wanted just to get my little check the box and move on with my life. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways my mindset was do the thing, get better and then never think about it ever again. And yeah. instead, all I do is talk to strangers about it on airplanes and at dinner parties <laughs> all the time now. So it's a real
0: it's a real redirection, I think. I know. love it. I love it. Okay, well let's let's start at the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> How'd you get here? <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, I joke a lot about the Holy Spirit and the internet getting me to most things in life. Uh And I feel like somehow Rock Recovery is no different. So yeah, so I've been on staff at Rock Recovery now for a little over 10 years. I got a lovely sabbatical over the summer. So I like to think I'm a little more serene and wise although I don't think that will last for long Mm -hmm. but yeah it's been lovely and then I struggled with an eating disorder early on in life from about age 13 to 23 and I turn 40 this month so you can do the math if you want to do the math on how long I've been recovered but the numbers keep changing as time goes on right now it's been almost half my life which is wild because for a long time I had struggled for over half my life but Mm. it's cool to now be
0: like, wow, I've almost been recovered for over half my life. That's kind of neat. So that is, that's awesome. Now, did you know you had an eating disorder? Were you in treatment or what did that look like?
1: Eventually I was sort of tricked into treatment, Mm -hmm. which I think is many people's stories. So for, and for a long time, right. My story started as one, with diet cultures, little fingerprints all Mm. over it, right? So a lot of my disordered eating earlier on in my life, you know, I'd say my disordered eating turned more eating disorder at 13, but my first diet was when I was eight. So, you know, there were some things along the way that started to change my relationship to food and my body and what I believed about Mm -hmm. myself and what I believe made me worthy or safe or healthy, quote unquote, or good Mm. and all that stuff started pretty young. But I- would say my eating disorder got deeper in college. So, Mm -hmm. you know, late teens, early 20s, that was when things got pretty bad. But I didn't know I had an eating disorder because everyone around me did pretty disordered stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was used to being around people who hated their bodies, who made comments, who did some pretty restrictive or pretty Mm -hmm. strange, looking back on it, food rituals or food Mm -hmm. behaviors, right? That when everyone else was doing it, I didn't realize that something was wrong but then yeah. once i kind of got healthy and realized oh that's not freedom that's not wellness that's not good mm-hmm. um that's kind of when things changed for me so i think i knew i didn't like my body and maybe i might even say i hated my body at mm-hmm. various phases which makes me so sad to say looking back but i mm-hmm. i i did right i was constantly at war with my body And either depending on the year or the day, it was like food was either my mortal enemy or my only friend, right? Mm -hmm. So I also had this like vacillating relationship with food and and I struggled with kind of all kinds of different behaviors on the spectrum of disordered eating. So that ebbed and flowed for me over the years. But the one thing that never changed was just the hatred of my body, Mm -hmm. the fear around food in a lot of ways and the desire to be good and the desire to be Mm -hmm. wanted and safe and in control and all those things that food sort of helped me feel at various times
0: mm-hmm. yeah so what happened
1: well I mean after living for a pretty long time of food rules and calorie counting and weight checking and all the things mm-hmm. I graduated college I went to school in Raleigh so I moved from Texas I grew up in Texas against my will I uh, wait where did yeah. you grow up in Texas South Lake, outside of Dallas. Uh Yeah, you know it. Yeah, Yeah, go Dragons. (laughs) And I, you know, when I was eight, we moved. I remember my parents, we always talk about this in my family now. My parents sat me down with my sister and they're like, we're having a family meeting and we were like, oh, I bet we're finally getting a puppy or going Uh to Disney World. And they're like, oh, we're moving to Texas. And my sister and I are like, without a puppy? Like, wait, (laughs) Texas? Like, why would we go to Texas? We're in Pennsylvania. That's really far away. Do they have cacti there? Like, what do you do in Texas? And so so- Yeah. Ever since we moved there, I was real angry about it. And that's actually a lot of when my disordered eating started was, I think, to cope with the loss and the change and to feel in control or to feel comfort, right? I didn't have any words for that as an eight-year-old or even Mm -hmm. as a 23-year-old later in life. But yeah, yeah, I just kind of knew that something wasn't quite right. But so yeah, we moved to there. And then when I went to college, I wanted out of Texas because
0: I was still mad that I was brought there. And
1: so I went to North Carolina State.
0: And well, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I didn't know that part of your story and having lived in the Dallas area. So I'm in Austin now, but I lived in the Metroplex for 10 years Mm -hmm. and I'd like the, the eating disorder, body image stuff, as it relates, I mean, it's everywhere, right? Women everywhere struggle, but there is a different kind of special pressure in the DFW area. I mean, it is, it is LA like (laughs) for sure. With more blondes and bigger hair, yeah. yeah, like it
1: really is true. Like it's funny how there's like, sometimes stereotypes for a reason. You're like, yeah, there are a lot of blondes, and I, and I, I am a natural blonde. I will say, I don't <laughs> highlight or color my hair. I use sun in like an eighth grade girl still, which has not gotten me too orange yet. It saves me a lot of money every year, but I'm like, okay, but yeah, you know there are a lot of blondes in Texas, yeah. um, and there, but there is this appearance-driven world, mm-hmm. right? Even to your point, even more than it's everywhere, but yeah. it, it's like on extra volume, a few places. And I think Dallas is one of those places. Well,
0: the number one graduation gift in the Metroplex, I I haven't looked at the stat in a number of years, but Mm. seven or eight years ago for a couple of years straight, the number one high school graduation gift for girls was boob job in the DFW area. That I I
1: am actually shocked. Yeah. So like,
0: that's the level of importance like this is your top priority going to college is to get this done and again no shame or condemnation yeah anyone listening or watching has gotten it done but just thinking about like how elevated that is wow I wanted
1: cold, hard cash at 18, but I think, (laughs) but I guess it wasn't an option to get like any other kind of surgery. I mean, I wonder if I would have had an option, what would I have wanted? Right. Like, wow. That was 2002 when I graduated. So a little longer ago. Yeah, Um, That, that's just, that is heartbreaking though, right? Like we, we value changing our appearance and kind of reinventing ourselves, right. In so many ways. So Mm -hmm. that, that timing is just, it makes so much sense in the world and it's so heartbreaking because it's not what we need to do. And Yeah. yeah, gosh.
0: We'll be right back after this quick break. But look around you. Your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going
1: to be dangerous and scary and giving up.
0: It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for king and country film starring Candace Cameron Veret and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact.
1: I think we all know what it's like to struggle in various ways and it's just not good. But when I graduated college, looking back, transition right is a time where disordered behaviors often ramp up. So for mm-hmm. me it makes sense that when we moved when i was 8 it started when i moved to college from mm-hmm. texas it initially ramped up a lot mm-hmm. when i graduated college and moved i moved from raleigh to charlotte it ramped up again right mm-hmm. so there's looking back if i look at it like a timeline i'm like wow this actually makes a lot of sense like mm-hmm. at least <laughs> at least there's some logic to what happened yeah. and and you know my struggle and things like it i didn't have coping skills i didn't know how to Make sense of things. I didn't know how to feel worthy. I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to feel safe. And I had all these patterns that I'd built and sort of got stuck in these ruts and routines. And here we are, right? And then, you know, the more we learn, we have a wonderful therapist here at Rock Recovery who's taught me even more about the binge and restrict cycle that we're learning Mm -hmm. about, right? Scientifically, it's like, yes restrictions at the root of almost any kind of binge that we experience mm-hmm. and so i think for me for all those years if i wanted to be on a diet or couldn't keep a diet or couldn't keep a thing i was the problem what's mm-hmm. wrong with me why don't i have willpower what i am a failure and the more i've learned over the years even post recovery it's like oh i'm not the problem and i wasn't mm-hmm. the problem my body was trying to help and yeah. you know the the behaviors were the problem and just, and just the information I was getting, you know, I grew up on self magazine and fitness uh-huh, magazine and all yep. that stuff, right? Shape like magazine. Shape magazine. Yep. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I could tell you the calories in any food, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell you if it had vitamin C in it, you know, like right. it's just wild. The things yeah. I knew, like I, oh, it's just wild. It's yeah. wild looking back what we did. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I didn't realize that I was sick. I didn't realize that Mm. I was even necessary. I think I knew I had a bad relationship with food in my body. If Mm -hmm. you would have really asked me, I would have been like, other people seem happier than me. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. That's all I know. But I think once I graduated college, a friend of mine passed away from cancer, which Mm -hmm. just like totally rocked my world because that, thank you. I know it just wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. Like we were 22, right? Like it Mm -hmm. just, So that made me and my anxiety really ramp up in addition to the move and graduating college. I had a job that I hated. I was a ballerina growing up and I took a job at a sports PR firm. I'm like, my most embarrassing moment was when I was pitching like a really fancy sports person and talked about, and I should know it's from Texas, Heather, but called the gridiron, the gritterin. I didn't know. (laughs) I never, I just never heard the term gridiron before. And I'm like, oh yeah, the gritterin. And he's like you mean gridiron, sweetie? And I'm like, Oh, you know, sure. Sure, That's what I meant. Um, so I just was having a lot of identity problems. I think I was in this job that didn't fit. I was in this world. I didn't understand. I wasn't a person of faith yet. Um, so I just didn't have a worldview that really kind of clicked things together. And of course Mm -hmm. we can be people of faith and still struggle all day long Mm -hmm. with a million things. Right. But for me, um, what changed everything? Like seven hours later, I'll answer your question. Um, what changed things for me was actually I I met this really lovely man um, out at a bar. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. I know. I so after after college, I you know I didn't do a lot besides run and go to bars on the weekend, and happened to be at this ugly sweater party in uh-huh. Carolina for Christmas, and met this nice guy who's like, "What do you do on the weekends?" And I'm like. You're looking at it. And he's like, Do you want to go to church? And I'm like, Sure, why not? <laughs> um, I think I was desperate enough to know I needed a different way. And yeah. I also, he was also pretty cute. So uh-huh. I think that, it helped a little bit. So. <laughs> the power of
0: a cute boy. Yes.
1: <laughs> Who is now to this day, you know, 20 years later, a dear friend of mine. His uh-huh. wife is like, was it one of my bridesmaids awesome. when we got married? Yeah. You know, so like the Lord does redeem. And this lovely man and I were only ever friends, but it got me to church and yeah. it got me into recovery in a way. So
0: wow.
1: he invited me to this lovely church. It was a new plant from London. Okay. The people had cool accents, which was, you know, intriguing enough. Mm-hmm. And it was, their slogan was a church for people who don't go to church. And okay. you know, growing up in the South, I had a little bit of burn from some of the super intense things that I was around. I think I was raised quasi Catholic, but didn't really connect to it. And then okay. I felt like I got a lot of other mixed messages about things that people who shouted the loudest often about their mm-hmm. Christianity were often the meanest. And I just struggled with that to mm-hmm. like make sense of what that meant. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, we're all human as it turns out, but I think, Faith was not really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, when life got hard and I found this church of people who seemed real and Mm -hmm. authentic and interesting and, you know, cute in some cases, I was like, well, this place (laughs) seems worth coming back to. And the very first week I was there, a woman got up and made an announcement about this course she was running. And she's like, you know, I had an eating disorder. I'm recovered. There's this thing Mm -hmm. I'm running called New ID, it's six weeks if you want to come, come talk to me after, after the service and you can sign up, it was like $20 or something super affordable. And at my very meager PR coordinator uh, rate I was making at the time, I needed something more affordable. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I talked to her and I was like, ah, six weeks, that sounds so long, but I guess I can go. And I am like, I don't think I have an eating disorder, but I have this weird food stuff. So she seems nice. I'll just try. Mm Yeah. And then I went to the first night of that course and I remember thinking an expletive in my head and being like, wait, I check all these boxes as she was Mm -hmm. going through, like, here are some signs to look for if you have an eating disorder. And I was like, hold up, I check all those boxes, but no one's told me I have an eating disorder, right? Like, it just didn't make sense Mm -hmm. to me, but – suddenly, you know, the scales fell off my eyes and I realized that's what this has been. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a name for this and it's not, I don't have to look a certain way. I had the own stigma in my head, right? Like, Oh, you knew people with anorexia in high school. I didn't look like that. I didn't act like that. I don't have an eating disorder. Right? Like, so yeah, that was life-changing for me.
0: Wow. Wow. Did you resist at first? No, I think it, Which is so funny
1: because my very first sentence as a child was not the boss of me. So you would think – my mom loves telling that story. It's like some things never change. And um, God and I have a good wrestle over that one sometimes (laughs) I feel like, right? But I'm normally kind of hard to convince and I'm Mm -hmm. like I don't like changing my mind. I don't like changing my ways. I – but I think by that point, you know the phrase like you're sick and tired of being sick and tired mm-hmm. i think I think I just knew something wasn't working, and mm-hmm. I had tried all the things for so long yeah. and I think just like the grace, I don't know something for whatever reason, I was my ears were opened, mm-hmm. maybe you know they hadn't been for years and years earlier. I'm often sad that mm-hmm. I struggled for so long, but for whatever reason, my heart shifted pretty fast, and mm-hmm. I was in, and that night, I remember I went home after that first night, I had a new i d and I looked. I've been journaling since I was eight years old, which mm-hmm. like my handwriting hasn't gotten any better, sadly, <laughs> and it's only gotten worse. I have really peaked at eight, I guess, with my handwriting. And <laughs> um, but I was able like to read through. But I remember coming home that night and just reading through all my journals. And my roommate at the time came home and she like poked her head in and she's like, "Hey, honey." Um, what are you doing? And I was like, well, Nancy, like I went to this course, I have an eating disorder. I'm trying to figure out where I went wrong. So then I know how to fix it as fast as I humanly can. And I can just like move on with my life. And she's like, did they happen to give you like a referral for a therapist or like maybe anyone you could call. Right. And so Uh they did, thankfully. And I called her the next day and it was great. But um, I just, for me, I think I was like, okay, I'm all in. Like for whatever reason, I was suddenly all in on recovery. So I, and even if I had any hesitation or any ambivalence, the next day I had just started getting a scripture a day emailed emailed to me. Okay. And the next day I opened my little inbox, and the scripture we go over the first week of new ID, which Rock Recovery now runs, by the way, virtually quarterly. I get to run that now. Um, but the very first scripture, it's Romans. You know, Paul talking about I don't know why I do what I do for Mm -hmm. what I want to do. I do not do but what I hate. I do for I have Mm -hmm. the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And like man. Doesn't that, you know, we don't think mental illness is a sin by any means or anything, mm-hmm. but that behavior of just the habituation being stuck. Yeah. I, I don't want to keep doing this. Why do I keep mm-hmm. doing this? Right. That really resonates. And so the very next day, that was the scripture that was emailed to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd never read the Bible really before. Mm-hmm. So I was new to the Bible I couldn't even point to the New Testament, honestly, let alone like uh-huh. Romans. So it just really shook me. I remember just yeah. sobbing when I got that email because I was like, oh my gosh, God, you're real. Like you're real. Like I wasn't sure yet. I wasn't sure, but I didn't know that that Bible is a big book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seemed super coincidental that like the passage I read 12 hours earlier was suddenly in my inbox, right? Like yeah. just the very next day. So yeah. that was, I think that was enough to make me like all in for sure. Like just wow. all in all the way. Yeah. Wow. And what happened next? So many things. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's keep going. So what happened next? I did call that therapist. Her name is Mm -hmm. Melissa. She's wonderful. Very helpful. Um, I always talk about sort of the three things that got me better as being experts, people with okay. fancy letters behind their names. What a good time they are. Um, you know, I'm, I joke, I'm sadly not a therapist, but I hang out with them all day long, which uh-huh. is like a pretty good gig. Um, <laughs> you know, and I have a personal story and experience, which also, of course, has amazing experience and a lot to offer the world. So I'm pleased by that. But um, for me, the clinical support was just critical. And then the second piece is kind of community. So peers, mentors, people who get it, support systems, family, friends, whatever. And then, you know, faith, just that idea of, for me, um, rock recovery, we talk a lot about, you know, building your recovery on the rock. And Mm -hmm. so whatever that looks like for somebody, but for me, since my conversion and my recovery sort of happened in one jumbly mess, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't separate one from the other, which is good and bad. I think in various ways, um, it's my story and it was beautiful and, you know, it involved a lot of surrender. I think that there was a lot of surrendering happening and a lot of taking back and a lot of surrendering again, and a lot of taking back, but that just belief that God had something more for me and created my body and cared about my body and yet loved me. even if I fell short was yeah. hugely, yeah, hugely restorative and just redemptive for me and healing for me. And so I started to kind of dig into all those things, right? I worked with this therapist. I finished the new ID course. I started telling people, safe people in my life, what was going on Mm -hmm. and got you know some bumbly responses here and there, but surprisingly enough, like everyone tried, right? Like everyone wanted Mm -hmm. to care for me. Everyone did their best. Um, My parents were super supportive. I had a sister who had an eating disorder as well in high school. So I think it was a lot for them to be like, oh wait both our daughters had eating mm. disorders like where did we go wrong mm. and you know now we know i was a ballerina so was my sister there were a lot of diet culture things mm. you know genetics of course we know more about that now so it's not by any means my parents fault at, at all but mm. i think there were a lot of there was some complication there a little bit and they were so supportive you know at first they didn't really know what to say necessarily, mm-hmm. but they paid for my treatment. They okay. were able to help support my therapy costs. They were yeah. able to do that kind of work and and they supported me the best they could. My friends, similarly, a lot of them had their own stuff with food mm-hmm. and body image, but some people I knew, I'm not going to eat with them. We'll just go on walks or get coffee and some people. Yeah. So I drew some boundaries and figured out who my safe people were, who I wanted to spend more time with and walked through that process of recovery. I, m- I remember- <laughs> involved a lot of eating muffins, oddly enough for me, you know, like kind of going through the foods that mm. I feared and uh-huh. the foods that I judged and turns out muffins are great. I don't yeah. know why I judged them so bad. Muffins are they great. They totally demonized though. You're right. They are. Yeah. We have this, uh, I wish I had the sign in here. We have a sign that says cupcakes are just muffins that believed in miracles. Uh-huh. In office yeah. here <laughs> so, There's one you know. of those
0: in the Magnolia you know, the Chip and Joanna Gaines, the Magnolia Bakery, they have that sign there
1: too. Oh, well, I'm glad we have similar tastes. Maybe we'll be (laughs) friends one day. That's good to hear. Um, Yeah. So I, yeah, but turns out cupcakes and muffins are great, you know? So I just, a lot of recovery was practical stuff like that, right? Learning how to eat, learning how to remove food rules, the intuitive eating stuff, trusting my body, removing beliefs about behavior or how I had to look or not look. And it was messy and frustrating. And I, you know, I remember, sitting with my therapist, like crying, being like, babies are better at eating than I am. Like, Mm -hmm. I, that's so frustrating that like, Mm -hmm. but she's like, yeah, but all these years you've learned false stuff. So you can't unlearn it overnight. And I was like, well, that's real dumb. We should find out a way to be able to do that. (laughs) This is very painful and frustrating and super inefficient, but um, yeah, you know, it was an up and down process for sure. But yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, once I was in, I was in. And mm-hmm. so there was no turning back. And I think I knew, I think of the psalm, I'm bad at the numbers, but, you know, better is one day in your courts than mm-hmm. a thousand elsewhere. And I I think about as recovery, better is like your worst day in recovery than your mm-hmm. best day before that's it. Good. Like, right. Like there's yeah. something about that, that I was getting closer to truth and to light. And yeah. that was good. Like that yeah. was worth fighting for. Yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah. So did you come out with an actual like eating disorder diagnosis were you actually like atypical, atypical anorexic or are you EDNOS well they don't say yeah. EDNOS anymore but yeah what, did you have a diagnosis or were you kind of in that jumbled like we're not sure but this was an eating disorder
1: category? I think I was EDNOS and so I'm like I never asked for my therapist notes I guess you can do that right I'm like but no I didn't ask for that my diagnosis but we basically I think Worked as though it was like OSFED, EDnos, right? Like the otherwise okay. specified feeding eating disorder. Yeah. So, cause it kind of was, and that's what mm-hmm. made it so hard for me to spot was I certainly right. had behaviors that were like very clearly defined within the DSM
0: mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes frequency wasn't quite right. You know, there are all those ways you can kind of skirt around diagnoses. Right. So,
0: right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I asked that just because I think a lot of, I won't generalize, <laughs> but sure. I know that there are some listeners that have like me, like you, you know, well, I'm not anorexic. I'm not able to throw up. I'm not bulimic. And like, they grew mm-hmm. up with those, only those two categories Yep. and seriously doubt that they could actually have an eating disorder. Yep. And that's, that's a big hurdle to just even face that or call it that. Yeah. Right.
1: And even still, I like it's funny. It's sort of like, I'm like, does eighth grade ever really end in our hearts? Like the comparison <laughs> or like the, even not that, I, like, not that you need to be proud of a label, but it is sort of like, oh, I wish I did fit into a category because mm-hmm. it just feels neat. You know, like it's yeah. like something in my brain wants to be able to judge. Like mm-hmm. it wants
0: to feel mm-hmm. safe by being like, here's the category. Yeah. Here's the thing. Right. And yeah. it's just. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like, you're not yeah. full blown. Right. Like, right. Like you're not in the cool kids eating right. disorder or something like that. Gosh. Yeah. No, that's twisted thinking that I can it, totally relate it? to. <laughs> yeah. Know. But because it, it feels like you're, well, I've got a lesser eating disorder. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. What, what is right. <laughs> and if it was lesser, we should be grateful. Like it's like, right. you don't want them more. Like not, again, right. there's, there is no comparison. Like yeah, pain is pain. You know, we don't have to categorize and judge them, but, but it's funny that the desire to do it is there. Yeah. It's an interesting, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it's a personality thing, but yeah, I feel type A
0: overachiever thing that goes with eating disorder stuff. I think that's what we are. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) So, but like, how did your friends that were still engaged in disordered eating behaviors, like what was the interaction with them? Like when you started eating muffins?
1: Gosh, I mean, Thankfully, no one ever, I mean, maybe someone said something to me at some point that maybe was stupid. I don't remember anything at this time. But thankfully, I think people, I think I learned the tools to shut it down. If someone made a comment, like if I could tell someone was going to say something or like, oh, why like you ordered this, I think I kind of learned like. Hey, like I'm in a vulnerable place and I'm not talking about what I'm eating or not eating. And I'm not talking about what you're eating or not eating. I, I don't feel safe being in a place. Like, I don't think it's healthy for me to be in a place where people are talking about weight loss or calories. Like, will you please just not talk about that stuff around me? Cause I feel mm-hmm. like it's not good for me because mm-hmm. it can be easy to be like, you shouldn't talk about those things. And then people feel defensive or judged or That's shame. True. Right. Right. But I think it was, I just kind of learned, like my therapist really helped me be like, here's what you say. Like, and if people don't mm-hmm. listen, like walk away or change the conversation or especially, mm-hmm. you know, if it's in a group dynamic or something, but I'm assertive enough that I never really had a huge problem uh-huh. sort of asking for what I needed. Yeah. Um. And then I think with friends, I'm sure they noticed, you know, my body changed, like my weight did change, especially mm-hmm. at first. Eventually it sort of evened out a little bit over time, but um, that was hard. But people, the hard thing about that was, right people often comment positively on weight loss and then mm. either negatively or just the crickets about mm. weight gain. So it was right. almost like what wasn't said, honestly, right. than like what was said. Right. Um, But I had to just remember, and this can sound so prideful, but I remember thinking and talking to my therapist about this, like, you just know better. Like you really are more, like, you know better than these people. Not that you're mm. so smart or so brilliant, but like, you know, that this is freedom and that this Mm -hmm. is health and they are still believing a lie and you have to just, even if it's painful, even if it's hard to be out of norm and swim upstream and do all the things, like you have to just be able to try to find peace and knowing Mm. like, this is what's true. And I can cling to that and I can try to like, let go of the rest and, you know, be the change however else.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. So then what was the journey like from recovery to now I work at Rock Recovery? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And now it's literally my job and all I do all day long and talk about all day long. Um, My husband and I always joke whenever I'm like, come home mad about something or like this diet thing or this whatever thing. He's like, oh, honey, our news feeds are really different. I have no (laughs) idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, everyone who's anyone is talking about it. Like, how do you not know? You know, like that. Yeah. Anyways, it's funny how it's like now it's totally my world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I have it happened a couple different ways. So I was working at Habitat for Humanity in Charlotte. I loved it. It's such okay. a great organization. I left the sports PR firm after eight months. It's all I could take of mis- uh-huh. sports words. I couldn't do it. And it was a great place to be working and I loved it. And it was great for me because I was there when I was getting healthy and healed. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, recovery took a while. It's hard to say. And this was the day I was fully free, but it took a couple of years. Right. And for some people it takes different lengths of time and that's hard to know. It won't take, I remember thinking when I signed up for a new idea that six weeks felt like an eternity. And mm. then they're like, Oh, so by the end of six weeks, you aren't going to be better. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> well, that's a real bummer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But you are better than when you started, right? That's again, yeah. the beauty is like each, each little day and round is somehow better, even though you're not necessarily arrived at the right. destination in the journey. Um, But I think for me, it took a while. Body image was the last thing to sort of heal for me as it often is for people. Mm -hmm. So food stuff took a while. But once I kind of dropped the food rules, did intuitive eating, kind of got to a different place... It was still hard and countercultural, but I started to learn to trust my body. And that was Mm -hmm. so different to be like, wow, I cannot work against this thing every second of every day. Mm -hmm. I can think, oh, I do want that cookie or I actually don't. Like I didn't believe it'd be possible because it was always I'm bad if I do this or I'm good if I do this or, you know, like I didn't believe there's another way to look at food like I it, and then suddenly that went away and that was great and it was slow right the calorie counting took a while to let go of um a lot of the things were hard but eventually I was feeling better and I was like okay well I'm feeling better I want to kind of help other people because now I know that there's all this freedom to be had and I didn't even know I was sick and show those more people like me So I started volunteering with New ID at the local church I was at. And then I realized I want to do more. Like I want to do more of this work. And I was very aware of the privilege that I have where, you know, I didn't make much money, but my parents, they did. And so they were able, right, to like pay for things that other people didn't have access to. And there was one day, maybe two years after I graduated New ID, that I ran into this woman on the street that I had gone through the course with, who I really liked. We weren't like super close, but I really liked her and I remembered Mm -hmm. her. And I looked at her and I was like, And you could just tell she was exactly where she was two Mm. years ago. Like no change Mm -hmm. in her spirit, in her appearance. And, and you can't obviously tell from looking at somebody often what they're going through, but, but you can sense sometimes, right? Like how someone is doing um, and, um, I could just tell that she was stuck and it kind of came out. We were starting to chat and like finances were a real barrier for her. And she didn't have the same access to resources that I had. And that broke my heart. And I was like, well, what if people don't have money to pay for therapy? What do those people do? So I started researching and started Googling. And this is where the Holy Spirit and the internet, you know, come back into play. (laughs) So I was like, what do people do? And apparently, not a lot because there's not much out there for people who can't afford treatment who need it, yeah. especially with a specialization in eating disorders. You know, some churches have funds and there are certainly some things here and there, but I came across Rock Recovery. This was in 2000, and I'm like 2010, I guess, that I found Rock Recovery. And I was like, this place looks interesting. The website was really ugly. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Carrie, our wonderful founder. You're so smart, but the website was so bad. And hey, I- that hard. I know. And in her defense, we were a volunteer organization for many years, right? So like, fair enough. Um, yes. So fair enough. And, but I remember being like, okay, where's the contact button? And I found the right. contact button. And so I reached out and we got together. I was coming up to DC. I was living in North Carolina. So I was coming up to DC for a wedding. And I was like, do you want to meet and get together? And I met with her at like, Panera and fell in love with her and the mission. And just like we were holding hands and praying, probably freaking everyone else around us, like totally out because like it's D.C. People don't really hold hands and pray in public a lot here. Uh-huh. And so they were like, what are these chicks doing over here? Um, and I just was like, wow, I just love her. And I love the vision. I love the mission. How can I help? So I started volunteering. And then I was like, maybe I should move to D.C. to get more involved. Wow. So I applied for three jobs, got three interviews, got three offers, which made me feel really good about myself because that very rarely happens. Uh-huh. That I felt like confirmation again from the God God that Mm -hmm. I was just like being called to move to DC and get involved. Mm -hmm. And then I volunteered for two years and then hated my consulting job and decided to fundraise my own salary to come on staff. And that was 10 years ago. And here I am. They haven't hired me yet. Yeah. We haven't run out of money yet. You know, you never know, but it's (laughs) nonprofit life is tough, but Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And I just think there are amazing people doing amazing work in this field from content and programming and work and rock is like, can I brag about rock for a minute Absolutely. and how great we are? Okay. Go great. For it. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're unique in the fact that we do provide clinical care and mm-hmm. faith care. I mm-hmm. think it's hard to find people who do both well mm-hmm. or do both at all. Um, and our net is pretty wide in the people that we serve, which I really love. Of course, not everyone who comes to us has a faith background. There's a lot of spiritual trauma and people who come to us and a lot of people who are like, nope, not doing that at all. And like, that's okay. We meet people where they're at and that's a beautiful thing. Um, but the fact that we can provide sound like clinical care Mm -hmm. at an affordable rate, everything we do is sliding scale. And we just got accepted to work with our first ever insurance plan, which is a big deal. So like we're doing a lot to access care for people. Yeah. So, (sighs) um, it's just been really exciting and I, it definitely is my life's calling and it's exhausting and it's just so wonderful. Cause you know, I mean, with proper support, people can get better and, It's so much
0: better to be better.
1: Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a, it's just the joy and the freedom has been such a gift to me. And I want to help as many people as I can experience that.
0: That's awesome. Well, the insurance option, will that be across state lines or just...
1: So we're regional right now. So we're DC, Maryland, Virginia for that, for our clinical programs. Our clinical programs, we do individual therapy and then group meals and therapy and then body image and life skills, but kind of just like process group therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's all available for DC, Virginia, Maryland, virtually, and then in person here in Arlington, Virginia and then but soon with you know the counseling compact that's set to hopefully go into effect next year we'll be able to see people in 30 states so okay. hopefully okay. very soon we'll expand our numbers and all the things. And then our faith-based support groups are available to anyone anywhere because there's, even if they're informed or led by clinicians, they're not clinical, they're support. So we're able to see people anywhere virtually with those, which has been amazing. So anyone, anywhere can come to those. We've got some weekly offerings, some monthly prayer groups, and then different six-week cohorts we run throughout the
0: year. Okay, awesome. And you are getting ready to run a holiday program. What's that like?
1: We are, so, you know, the holidays- You know can be shiny and they can be really hard and challenging Mm -hmm. especially if you're actively seeking to live differently than the culture tells you about Mm -hmm. food and bodies and all the things and so we have a lasting freedom support group we partner with our friends at finding balance for that to run some of their curriculum and it's six weeks starting on mondays in november it's the monday before thanksgiving i think if i'm thinking correctly um and that idea of that is it's a support group, there's coaching, there's some videos and some content shared, but it's just to have shared accountability and some shared encouragement throughout a pretty, what well, can be isolating and challenging time for people, depending on what's going on. So it's a 90 minute group on Mondays that's virtual.
0: Awesome. So the people that can join these groups, do they need yeah. to have like already, like, I know for sure I have an eating disorder or can they be where you were? Where it's like, eh?
1: yeah, they can definitely be in that place I don't know how to put that on like the questionnaire but like are you uh... shrug emoji yeah, you I don't know whatever we can do for that absolutely yes they can be in the shrug emoji space and that's okay. okay yeah so and that's the beauty of the support groups too sometimes people come who are getting information to help support a loved one too mm. or sometimes they might be getting information quote-unquote to help support a loved one because like, you know, it's it scary to seek help. Right. So people come at all different levels of comfort and all different places of recovery. Some people it's the first step they've ever taken. Some Mm -hmm. people they've had five stints in residential, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and it's just whatever. And so the beautiful thing about these groups is I think a lot of people haven't had faith-based support prior Mm -hmm. to coming to these groups. And I, you know, I like the analogy of like, it feels like people often have all the wiring in place, but they need something to like flip the switch on. Like, And I feel like these groups, while they're not treatment, and we really recommend that people be seeing a therapist or doing Mm. clinical care outside of the groups, there's something different about hitting the spiritual side, right? And Mm. there is something really beautiful and healing and deep that I think – can be hard to find and hard again to integrate well with clinical care, um, and anyone can come from anywhere, and and it works because we're not dealing so much with the behaviors; we're talking mm-hmm. about a lot of the underlying stuff and a lot of the practical right. things and accountability. So it just it works. And for our clinical programs, we do screen; we only work with people who need outpatient care because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be helpful if someone needs a higher level of care. Sure. We aren't enough for people. A lot of our programs were built to help bridge a gap. If people are coming home from, you know, an intensive Mm -hmm. program and need something to bridge them and they don't, they need more than just a weekly appointment with a therapist or dietitian, it can be hard to find groups, um, a little less hard since COVID. I will say we were much more unique before COVID with the group therapy, but it's a little easier now, but still, you know, hard to find sliding scale. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been really good, but we don't screen for the face support groups, So you do have a wide variety of people kind of come into us, but we, we keep it safe and we have the rules and things we put in place and we try to give people follow-up resources as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So in addition to the holiday group, People can get into new ID. Like, do you run that frequently, or we run it about quarterly-ish. Strong okay. emphasis on the-ish.
1: You ish. know, we are a team of a bunch of ladies who keep having babies and keep changing things a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so that changes with time, right? We're staff mm-hmm. of four, soon to be five. We're working on growing the team, so That's stay awesome. tuned. But yeah, so quarterly-ish is the goal for that, okay. and we do that virtually. And we're also trying to update some materials, so we're hoping to create some more things in the next year or two that people could run on their own that we could kind of have more virtual and in-person offerings and we have some dreams there so stay stay tuned on that
0: awesome awesome what is one thing as we kind of close up today yeah what's one thing you would want the woman who is hearing your story and thinking oh no this sounds like me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh no! I don't know if I have time to deal with this. I don't know if I want to deal with this. Like, can I just stick my fingers in my ears and go la 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 la? Mm. What'd you say to her? Uh, yeah. I
1: mean, I get it. That sounds nice, <laughs> and it, it, I think we all know, right? Digging our head in the sand doesn't get us any further to who we were created to be or where we want to be in our lives, and. I think that was one thing I had to do a lot of mourning of, you know, no shame, no condemnation, no whatever. Cause I, I really think about the redemption that God has brought in my life from mm. my struggle. Mm. You know, there's a lot of hard and things that I mourn and wish could have gone really differently. Mm. And like, gosh, there's been so much redemption. Like mm. I I'm just so grateful for the ways that I have healed, that I feel at peace with my body. You know, I had a baby a year and a half ago, which was difficult for other reasons other than an eating disorder, but oh, man, that was no joke. Um, but I just I don't know, just the freedom that I was able to feel. It's a little girl. She's the best. And thinking Aww. about how I want to raise her. I know she's so fun. Um, thinking about how I want to raise her and things. There's there's just a lot of redemption in the story. Mm-hmm. And when I look back to the struggle, I'd like to believe it was this isolated thing, but it mm-hmm. affected every. But it wasn't, right? Like we're whole people and we show up in our lives as whole people. Mm-hmm. And so that eating disorder... Followed me in every room I went into, whether or not there was food present, right? Like it was my posture and relationship. It was my posture and everything. And so that was hard for me to swallow initially, like because I had a lot of grief with Mm -hmm. that. And there was still a lot of grace, a lot of joy, a lot of good in my life, even with the cloud that felt like it was often hanging over me. But I think, again, better is one day in your courts than a thousand Mm -hmm. elsewhere. I mean, I think. Just doing the next right thing and taking that next step. I love the Next Right Thing podcast by Emily P. Freeman. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you listen to that, but Mm -hmm. I love her. And I love that idea of just like, do the next right thing. Don't get so caught up in, I have to do it all. I have to do it perfectly. I have to be whatever. Just like, think of a step, make it attainable, set up accountability and just do it. And then do the next one. And if you stumble, that's okay. Do it again. You know, recovery is a lot of baby steps kind of strung together Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be overnight. It doesn't have to be perfect. But I know from experience now, having been at rock for 10 years when I'm, I'm out of the clinical stuff mostly now, but I sometimes see our numbers or see inquiries. And when someone inquires and then ghosts and then doesn't respond to our emails and never winds Mm -hmm. up joining a program, and then they come back a year or three or five years Mm -hmm. later We're so glad they're back. And it's just like, oh, I wish, I wish we could have worked with them three years ago. Right. Like it's, it's never too late. And like today is a great day to take that that. next step.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, tell everyone where they can learn more about rock recovery. Yes.
1: (laughs) On our website. So, um, www, if you have to say that anymore, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Dot rock, (laughs) rock recovery, E D O R G. So rock recovery. and then Facebook, where rock recovery. Ed, Instagram, where rock recovery, and is Twitter's not even a thing anymore, right? Oh, Whenever it yeah. is X Twitter, yeah. no, I, I don't think it's anyone else, yeah. know, on Twitter. Maybe if you're on Twitter, I'm sorry. Look them up, yeah. search for them.
0: <laughs> We're not as active there. These Me days, neither. Right. But yeah. But if people are
1: interested in programs, I've got a great free consult. You can sign up for on our right. website, um, especially for the clinical programs. We're happy to answer questions. Send you can send us an email. Yeah. Um, all that's on, on our website. And we're just really happy to help however we can. Cause I know the journey can be hard, but you know, you're not alone and we would love to support anybody who needs some help. I love it.
0: Well, Christy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks Heather. This was great. Yeah. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Compared to your show is proud to be part of the life audio podcast network. For more great Christian podcasts, go to lifeaudio.com.